Hi friends, I'm Kaylin and this is Bones, a true crime podcast. Logan isn't able to join us this week, so y'all are stuck with me, but this is a very interesting episode. If you want to see pictures or information related to the cases this week, you can follow us on Instagram at Bones, a true crime pod. Find our Facebook page, Bones, a true crime podcast. Email us at bones, a true crime podcast at gmail.com if you have any questions or case suggestions. And don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcasting apps and leave positive reviews if you feel like it. Our t-shirt giveaway is still going and we will not announce the winner until we place a t-shirt order. That way we can get whatever size is needed for the winner. We haven't taken money for the shirts ordered yet, just in case the winner is someone who is wanting to order. And if you want to enter the giveaway, go over to our Facebook page, follow the instructions on the giveaway post, and on the comments, you'll let us know a case suggestion. If you're interested in ordering a t-shirt, you can comment on the post, shoot us a message, or an email. I mentioned on Facebook that this week's case is going to cover several disappearances. This is primarily because there is little to no information about some of these victims. I can't tell you how hard it was to find the bare minimum that we are giving you. We have mostly local listeners, so we're hoping that maybe by telling you what little we do know, it'll raise some awareness for these missing people and their families. You'll definitely want to be on our socials this week because we are going to make a post for each of these individuals that have photos that we have photos of, and that are still missing. The story we have for you this week was focusing on two men who had disappeared from West Plains, Missouri in 2020. However, while researching these two men, I went down a rabbit hole. There were several other active missing persons cases for people who have disappeared in the last few years, and their bodies have never been recovered. They all disappeared from West Plains, Missouri in Howell County. When doing a quick Google search of their names, I realized there was little to no information on them. It's like the media isn't even aware that they're missing. One of those active missing people I discovered was specifically missing in the Mark Twain National Forest. I have heard rumors about how the forest is a great spot for hiding bodies, so then I started looking at people who specifically went missing in the Mark Twain National Forest. That's how I found out that there were two other missing in the forest, a total of three people one of them being the one from Howell County. I just couldn't get past how many people so close to us have gone missing, but seemed to get overlooked because of the lack of information out there. I didn't know about most of them, but not only had I not heard of them, there is very little information available. So even though they deserve their own episode, the best we can do is give them their own post and hope that the right person sees it. I'm about to throw a lot of information at you, but I'm going to try and keep it as simple as possible and kind of section it off. So we're going to start with the Mark Twain National Forest. The Mark Twain National Forest is named after the Missouri author Mark Twain and is 1.5 million acres, mostly in southern Missouri and northern Arkansas. If you have talked to me, Logan, or Sherry, you probably are aware of our obsession over Arkansas crime and corruption. The Mark Twain National Forest is in more counties than any other forest. In fact, it's located in 29 counties. I mentioned that there are a total of three missing people in the Mark Twain National Forest in Missouri, but that's just who has gone missing specifically in the forest. So I'm sure the forest has more secrets than we could ever imagine and potentially holds bodies that people don't even know are there. The forest is filled with springs, caves, rocky glades, old volcanic mountains, and streams. 
We live in the sticks, so while we don't have a lot of activities to do, there is a lot of really pretty scenery and places to explore. I feel safe here in our small community, but just like anywhere else, if you're in with the wrong crowd, bad things can happen. The difference in here in the big city is that there are so many places to dispose of a body that it could never be discovered. Later, we may actually do an episode just covering people missing in other national forests, because I feel like it's just spooky. I love being outside, probably because we grew up spending all summer jumping on hay bales, playing in creeks, and wandering through the woods, but it just feels very safe to me. Researching cases like this are a good reminder to never feel too safe and always be aware of your surroundings. But back to the forest. The Mark Twain National Forest in Missouri is scattered throughout Ava, Bunker, Donovan, Van Buren, and Winona. The forest isn't contiguous, which is why it covers so many counties, but is in multiple large blocks that touch these small towns. The first person I'm going to tell you about is Robert C. Garman. Robert C. Garman was born November 2nd in 1962. I'm just going to call him Robert G. because we do have multiple Roberts. Anyways, he disappeared on September 24th in 1996. Robert G. was a 33-year-old white male with brown hair and blue eyes from Hot Springs, Arkansas. Robert G. was 5'11", weighing 150 pounds. He has multiple tattoos on his back, chest, and arms. When last seen, he was at a party off of H Highway near Chadwick, Missouri, visiting friends. There were 15 other people there at that party, and it lasted several days. A lot of the people there were using meth. Robert G. was seen arguing with a male and female acquaintance before walking into a wooded campsite with his female companion. This female companion is different from the other acquaintances I mentioned him talking to. They were both reported missing, and Robert would never be seen again. But two days after the two were reported missing, the woman was found. Horseback riders found her naked, beaten, and disoriented. She claims that she was sexually assaulted, and he was shot in the face. Some known aliens of Robert were Bob Garman and Strad Dighton. There was a tip reported that his body was dismembered and then dropped into a sinkhole, but he has never been found. If you have any information related to this case, you can contact the Missing Persons Clearinghouse at 1-800-877-3452. Next up is David Carl Heitman. He disappeared April 19th in 2016 from Columbia, Missouri. He was born on April 10th, 1974, and was 42 at the time of his disappearance. If alive today, David would be 49 years old. David was between 5'8 and 5'10 and weighed somewhere between 156 and 180 pounds. David had black hair but was bald at the time of his disappearance. David had brown eyes and several tattoos, and there was a letter H on his back and a Superman logo. A black panther was on his forearm, and building blocks, building blocks with the letters A, B, C were on his arms. David had several U.S. Marine tattoos, and I saw a picture of his last name tattooed on an arm on Facebook. It was his profile picture, so I would think that it would be his, but there isn't anything confirming this. 
David Heitman was from Davenport, Iowa, and attended Rock Island High School from 1989 until 1992. David was a Marine Corps vet at the time of his disappearance, but during his career, he served as an ordnance tech. David was a big Cubs fan. Growing up, his mother was an English teacher, and he had one son and one daughter. David has two grandsons from his son. I found a comment from his son on Facebook. It says, quote, My dad wouldn't do this and just not get a hold of anyone. He hasn't been doing good at all as it is. I was really curious what David's son meant by he hadn't been doing good. David's social worker was actually the one that reported him missing, and I was a little confused on why David had a social worker. I asked my friend's husband if this was normal, and he gave me information from the VA's website. I'm not supposed to give him a shout-out, but he's also a retired vet with a smoke show wife, so we're thankful for his service. But this is absolutely not a shout-out. This is the quote from the VA website. Social workers support veterans who are at high risk, such as those who are at risk for experiencing homelessness, have been admitted to the hospital several times, or may not be able to care independently for themselves any longer. I mentioned earlier that David Heitman was last seen in Columbia, Missouri on April 19, 2016. On this day, David met with his social worker and said that he was going to the lake with a friend. Two months later, on June 23rd, the social worker conducted a home visit, but the house was empty. The social worker would actually be the one who filed the missing person report. On October 16th, there was a duffel bag of clothes and other identifying documents found at the Marked Way National Forest by a hunter in Pulaski County, Missouri. The bag was found two miles from the closest road, and it was 100 miles south of Columbia, Missouri, where David was last seen. He was currently living in Columbia at the time of his disappearance. There was so little information about David, it doesn't seem like he was incredibly close to his family, but he did always respond to his children's messages. He was there for them when they needed him. I'm afraid that based on what I've read, they think David might have committed suicide. He's still listed as a missing and endangered person, but his son is just hoping to find his remains at this point for some closure. There is a two-month period where David could have disappeared. I do think foul play could still be an option, but I trust that his family knew him best. I haven't heard who he was fishing with or what their theory is or the state of mind that David was in when he was fishing with them. If you have any information related to the disappearance of David Carl Heitman, you can contact the Taos County Sheriff's Office at 575-758-2217. Robert Leslie Huddleston disappeared on July 31st in 2017 in the Mark Twain National Forest. This is literally all we know of him. He's listed on locationsunknown.org, so I wanted to include his name, but there's nothing else I can find about him. Howell County is located in southern Missouri. This is just a fun fact, but Howell County was officially organized on March 2nd in 1851. The name Howell came from the pioneer settler in the Howell Valley. The 2020 census recorded the population of Howell County at 39,750 people. The largest city in Howell County is in West Plains. The other cities in the county are Willow Springs, Mountain View, Pomona, Brandsville, and South Fork. 
As of 2023, there are 10 active missing people in Howell County. Every one of them went missing in West Plains. These disappearances go back to 1995, but seven of them are just in or after 2020, peak COVID time. From 2019 until now, this is the highest number that Howell County has had. This information came from the Missouri State Highway Patrol website, by the way, and we posted a picture on our Facebook page of the counties and the number of missing people in each. There are eight missing men and two missing women on the list for the Missouri State Highway Patrol website. The women are Sandra Bennett and Trisha Rigsby. The men are Thomas Acousta, Tommy Wilson, Garrett Tarleton, Danny Roberts, Robert Huddleston, Stephen Collins, Lyman Little, and Ira Brisk. Sandra Ann Bennett was the first of the two women that I'm going to tell you about. Sandra Ann was born on February 8th in 1961. She was 60 years old at the time of her disappearance, but if alive today, Sandra is 62 years old. Sandra has been missing since April 8th of 2021 from West Plains, Missouri. She's just classified as missing and not missing and endangered, which after researching I think is a little bit crazy. We'll later find out that Sandra had dementia, so I think that it should have been missing and endangered no matter what. Sandra Ann is 5'2", weighing 170 to 180 pounds. She's a white female with graying blonde hair, blue eyes, and a scar on her left shoulder blade. Some records do state that her eyes are green. Sandra has a tattoo on her left ankle of a mushroom with a fairy. Sandra has two children and four grandchildren. Sandra's son was actually going through colon cancer when she disappeared, and her daughter was in jail. Sandra and her son-in-law were supposed to pick up her daughter from jail, but they never showed up. Her daughter last talked to her a couple of days before they were supposed to pick her up. I'm going to warn you that most of this information is hearsay, but it's all I have because there are no reports on Sandy or her disappearance. One of my sources stated that the son-in-law is actually the one who reported Sandy missing. Her daughter last talked to her on the 8th, which is when she was last reported seen, but not supposed to be when she was reported missing. I'm going to backtrack a little and tell you about how Sandy got to where she was at the time of her disappearance. So Sandy and her long-term boyfriend of 10 years were living in a homeless shelter and walking everywhere. Sandra complained to her family and friends that her feet were hurting and she was sick of walking because of an old foot injury. This is important to remember because Sandra wasn't comfortable walking and being incredibly active. One of the people staying at the shelter with Sandra and her boyfriend acquired a house somehow, and Sandra's boyfriend left to go take care of this other woman. Supposedly, the other woman needed a caregiver, but maybe she was a girlfriend, we're not sure. Sandy also needed a caregiver, so it seems like he just kind of traded her out. What we do know is that this led to Sandy staying with her daughter and son-in-law. Sandy reportedly had dementia and needed a caretaker. She was on Medicaid and disability, so I'm sure that that helped cover extra expenses of another person living in the house. While Sandy was staying with her daughter and son-in-law, they got in trouble for stealing guns and supposedly being caught with meth. I'm not sure why Sandra's daughter was in jail, but her husband was not. Maybe he wasn't involved in the incident. I'm not sure. Either way, Sandra's son-in-law is who was helping keep an eye on her. So at the time of Sandra's disappearance, she was living with her son-in-law in a trailer on family land. 
the family land belonged to a cousin, and there were other relatives living on the property. The owner of the land is always in trouble for drugs, specifically meth, and meth is the common theme in these disappearances. The landowner, who I believe was Sandra's cousin, apparently wasn't fond of her. It's rumored that the other relatives on the property may have been helping with the distribution of meth, but Sandra didn't, and that was the issue. There was a time when Sandra wandered into one of her relatives' trailers confused and couldn't remember anyone, and this is one of the only reports we have of Sandra not being with it and her dementia potentially putting her in danger. Sandra Ann was seen near Ardida on April 8th in 2021. Ardida is 15 miles south of West Plains and 3 miles east of Caulfield, Missouri. Sandra could be going by the name Sandy Harden. From what I can tell, there is little to no effort being put forth to find Sandy. So now I'm going to tell you some of the theories. Some people believe that she was just confused and wandered off and possibly died in the elements. Others think that Sandy was intentionally trying to walk to her ex-boyfriend in Springfield, who she apparently missed very much and was depressed over being away from. Another theory is that maybe Sandy saw or heard something she shouldn't have while living on the property around people making and distributing drugs. Some people believe that Sandra and her son-in-law got in a fight, and she walked away mad, never to return. There's also rumored that Sandra's son-in-law killed her and buried her in a shallow grave. The most popular theory seems to be that Sandra's son-in-law had something to do with her disappearance. They think that Sandy's daughter knows that her husband was involved, and that's why she isn't pushing for answers. Some people suspect Sandy's ex-boyfriend could have been involved. You can't rule out anything in a case like this, but as soon as her ex-boyfriend found out that Sandy was missing, he began walking all the way back to West Plains to help look for her. I can't imagine he would go through all that trouble if he was involved. One story Sandra's son-in-law told was that he and Sandy were arguing when she walked into the woods with the keys to her daughter's car, leaving him stranded. Sandy's daughter's car is with her and her husband, so I think that this is either false information or it did happen, but Sandra came back and this is not relevant to her disappearance. Most of our information is hearsay and rumor-based for Sandra. What I was told while gaining information regarding the disappearance was that she had a good heart. Sandra loved her grandchildren and her children. So please take all of the rumors and speculation with a grain of salt. We aren't accusing anyone of anything, but if you have any information regarding the disappearance of Sandra Ann, you can contact the Howell County Sheriff's Office at 417-256-2544. Trisha Rigsby was born May, May 14th in 1980. Trisha was 42 years old at the time she was reported disappeared, with brown hair and brown eyes. She's another white woman that was reported missing from West Plains, Missouri. However, lucky for Trisha, she has reportedly been found and is no longer missing. Trisha hasn't been removed from the Missouri State Highway Patrol list, and this is something she'll have to do herself by calling them. The circumstances leading to Trisha's disappearance were crazy, so I'm going to go ahead and give you all some info on that. Trisha's last date of contact was listed as May 5th in 2023. I want to stress that this isn't accurate as her family and friends are posting and talking to her regularly. Her brother, who reported Trisha missing, is also the one that made a post on her Facebook that she has been found. 
The reason that he reported her missing was because nobody was able to get in contact with her. Trisha traveled to California with an older man, went no contact, and is now believed to be living in a homeless shelter. Trisha says that her car and everything she owned was stolen, which is why she wasn't in contact with anyone. A day or two before she was reported missing, she posted on Facebook, I'm in LA, California. I rear-ended the Mexican Mafia cartel BMW. I need $3,000 cash to not be tortured and then murdered. This is not a joke. She has posted her location and made posts to Facebook to let everyone know that she is alive and well. She also states that she isn't crazy or out of her mind. I just wanted to include this for you because throughout this episode, the Mexican cartel is brought up so many times. I want to stress again that she isn't believed to be missing and has made contact with multiple people, but the Missouri State Highway Patrol still has her listed as missing and the last date of contact is over a month ago. Our Facebook comments were pretty heated over this, and I just want to remind everyone to be kind. I'm sure it's annoying for friends and family to see their loved ones listed as missing when they're not. We can't do anything about this list ourselves, but we can be kind to each other. Sandra is the only woman actually missing in Howell County, so I'm going to go on to the list of missing men in Howell County. I already told you about Robert Huddleston. He was a male listed missing in the Mark Twain National Forest. So next up is Thomas Acosta. Thomas J. Acosta disappeared sometime after 3 p.m. on May 9th in 2022. Thomas was 27 at the time of his disappearance and would be 28 if alive today. He is a white male with blue eyes, 5 foot 9, and weighs 150 pounds. Thomas's hair color is listed as unknown. It looks dark brown or black in the pictures most commonly used of him. The Charlie Project states brown, but because it potentially looks black, I wanted to mention that it could have been. Like everyone we're telling you about, Thomas is listed as missing from West Plains, but he is not listed as missing and endangered. Thomas was born on January 17th in 1995. I could only find his Instagram from 2020, so he either isn't active on social media or he doesn't use his real name. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Thomas Acosta, you can, com you can contact the West Plains Police Department at 417-256-2244. Tommy Lee Wilson is a white male who has been reported missing since June 11th of 2022 from West Plains, Missouri. He was born on November 24th in 1983, and this is literally all I know. I can't even find a picture of this guy to make his own post. So if you have any information regarding the disappearance of Tommy Lee Wilson, you can contact the West Plains Police Department at 417-256-2244. Garrett Tarleton is another person still listed as missing but is reported to have been located alive and well. I was hesitant when I decided to include these people that are no longer missing. I did want to go ahead and share the information just so that people don't think that I overlooked them. I would think that the Missouri State Highway Patrol would want to report people who are no longer missing as soon as they are found alive and well. 
But it seems like Garrett has been on this list for a long time, as it was actually when he ran away from a foster home. Danny Roberts is a white male that has been missing since April 2nd in 1995. Danny was born December 20th of 1962. Danny was 33 at the time of his disappearance, and he is also listed as missing from West Plains, but he doesn't have a missing persons poster or anything. An old newspaper article claims that he was a Willow Springs resident. His family has a grave and headstone for him in Willow Springs, but his body has never been laid to rest. Danny Roberts was attending a party north of Mountain View, Missouri, when he had a physical altercation with two men. Danny left the party and was never seen again. Danny never picked up his disability checks either, and that was his only source of income. One of the rumors I found about this case were that Danny got into a fight with the two men, potentially over a woman, and then these men later came and killed him. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Danny Roberts, you can contact the West Plains Police Department at 417-256-2244. Kermit Stephen Collins was last seen in West Plains, Missouri on May 4th in 2017. Kermit was 52 years old, 5'9", and 170 pounds at the time of his disappearance. He is a white male and has brown hair and eyes. He is classified as missing, but not missing and endangered. Kermit was born on July 11th in 1964. His nicknames are Germ and Swamp Ass. He responded to Kermit, Stephen, and Collins. Some say that he ran away to work for a carnival, but others say that these rumors have been squashed. Others say that he was homeless and staying one step ahead of the law due to back child support. Kermit's daughter and her mother still post on Facebook looking for him and longing for closure. Kermit, like many of the people we've talked about, didn't always make the best life choices, and because he wasn't someone higher up in the community, it doesn't seem like people are too worried about his disappearance. Nonetheless, Kermit is still a person with a family that loves him and wants to know what happened. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Kermit Stephen Collins, you can contact the West Plains Police Department at 417-256-2244. Ashton Rader is still listed as missing, but according to the mother of his children, he has been located. There isn't any information regarding his well-being or the circumstances around his disappearance, so I'm not going to get too deep into it, but everything seems to point to the fact that he is no longer missing. So now I'm going to tell you about the two missing people that started the snowball of information that I just gave you. I was originally only researching the disappearance of Lyman Landon Little and Ira Lee Briscoe. Lyman and Ira were roommates living in West Plains, Missouri. They both mysteriously disappeared in December of 2020. Ira is classified as an endangered missing person, but his family believes that he is deceased. Lyman Little is also classified as an endangered missing person, but he was last seen two days before Ira on December 15th. One source I found states that Lyman was last seen on the same day as Ira the 17th. It's difficult to know which report is correct because there is so little information regarding the two. Like all of the others I've told you about, most of my research came from Facebook groups, forums, and family. 
While they're all important to the research process, it makes me uneasy depending on them for the bulk of our material. We had someone reach out that said that they were friends with Ira for years, and they didn't even know that he had any family. Ira reportedly had told him that he was on his own, but it's just clear that that's not the case when you start researching this case. Ira's mother and family have went above and beyond looking for him and trying to get answers. I did think it was important to mention that detail just because so many people seem to have different sides that they knew to each of these victims. Lyman Little was born on August 1st in 1971. Lyman was 49 years old at the time of his disappearance, and if alive today, he would be 51 years old. Lyman was a big guy. He was 6 foot 2 inches and 253 pounds. He had graying brown hair and hazel eyes. The rest of the information I found is on his Facebook page. It was incredibly hard to find information on Lyman, as it doesn't seem his family speaks out as much as Iris does. There's nothing wrong with that. It just doesn't give us as much information to work with. Lyman had the nickname Sprite. He was from Miami, Florida, but like I had mentioned, he was living in West Plains with Ira at the time of his disappearance. Lyman was divorced, so he must have been married at some point, but I didn't find his ex-wife. Lyman attended Chamberlain High School from 86 to 89 in Florida. Lyman was a disabled veteran and did not appear to have much contact with his family. I read somewhere that his family didn't know for several months that he was even missing, but I wouldn't say that this is a reliable source, as it came from a Facebook group. Based on the Facebook post, his relationships with some of his family seemed strained, and it looked like they lived in Florida still. So I can imagine how it's hard for them to stay in contact and know that he was missing, since he did go no contact with them pretty often. Ira Briscoe was born on June 15th in 1995. As a child, Ira was described as being sweet, but he had a funny and mischievous side. Ira has a mother, Wendy Briscoe, that is 61 years old and a father, Rodney Briscoe, that is 58 years old. You hear less about his father putting feet on the ground in the search for Ira due to his health, but he loves and misses his son very much, and so much that it even affects his sleep schedule. Ira's sister, Kelly Von Allman, also misses her brother dearly and is actively involved in returning him to their family. Ira Lee Briscoe was 25 years old at the time of his disappearance in 2020, he was the same age that we are now. Ira enjoyed hunting, fishing, and playing guitar. Ira learned to play as a child, and he was teaching his son to play at the time of his disappearance. As a child, Ira battled leukemia, and while that probably seemed like the scariest thing they would have to face at the time, now they're living with the unknown. Ira's battle with leukemia is reportedly why he lived life full throttle. The last time Ira's mother would ever see him was December 17th of 2020. The intake date for Ira's case is reported as January 1st in 2021. His parents reported him missing on the 23rd, though. It was unusual for them to go that long without talking. This is another reason I don't believe the statement that Ira wasn't close to his family, just because they reported him missing so quickly. Ira's mother is incredibly active on social media, speaking out on her son's behalf. She's held balloon releases and vigils. She's gone through dumpsters, woods, ponds, ravines, and climbed into caverns. She's a woman willing to move mountains for her baby boy. Ira has an amazing support system that I'm confident will not stop looking for answers regarding his disappearance. 
In one video on Facebook, Ira's mother mentioned that she doesn't even have a grave to visit because there was no body found. She does have a memorial in her yard, but I'm sure that that doesn't help her move forward. I know after losing loved ones, you feel like you can start to adjust to a new normal life after their funeral. It isn't instantaneous, and you'd never stop missing them, but you're able to cope. If alive today, Ira would be 27 years old. He has brown hair, blue eyes, weighs 160 pounds, and is 5 foot 8 inches tall. Ira has a tattoo, lives strong on his back, but then he also has deer and turkey tracks. It just doesn't specify their location. Ira drove a 1995 Mercury Sable with the Missouri license plate number LC9V1B. This vehicle has been found, and it was actually located a week after his disappearance in a scrapyard. The authorities think he had given the vehicle to someone, so it is insignificant to the investigation. Ira's family disagrees. Sometime between the 17th and 23rd, when Ira was reported missing, his home was burglarized. The game cameras around his home had SD cards removed and the inside of his house was trashed. This may not make a lot of sense to some people, but because we're from a small town, I feel like we might need to explain. Game cameras are used for more than just watching wildlife. People often use them as security to see who has been on their property. One tip the family has received is that Ira was dismembered, put into tote boxes, duct taped, and then thrown in surrounding ponds and caves. The day before Ira went missing, there was a shooting between two people that he was associated with. This shooting took place in a home in Koshkanog, Missouri. Authorities speculated that maybe the shooting is connected to the disappearance of Ira. His family, on the other hand, speculate that the two who disposed of the car are involved with Ira and Lyman's disappearance. The Briscoe family loved Ira dearly, but they weren't blind to the activity that he may have been participating in. They were vocal about the fact that he could have seen the cartel as a lucrative business opportunity. Here's a quote from his mother. He said, you don't have to worry about me no more, mom. I got it. I'm in with the cartels. I feel like as a mother, this would make you worry more, but Ira seemed secure there. A friend of the family and the admin of the Facebook group dedicated to Ira gave this quote to M-E-A-W-W. During the last conversation with his mother, Ira confided that he was worried about some people who he had previously been friends with. One of these men had previously attacked him and broken his jaw. Videos of the attack was sent to his mother after Ira went missing. Months before his disappearance, someone burned Ira's truck to the ground, Christy recalled. So this man apparently was dating a girl that Ira also had an off-and-on-again relationship with, Ira's family thinks that the girl knows something and she is assisting in covering it up. Another quote was, Investigators said that they used various techniques to try and find the two men, including search warrants, investigative subpoenas, and over 100 interviews. Howell County, Oregon County, Douglas County, West Plains, and parts of Arkansas have been searched in an effort to look for them. Ira's family believed that there were at least three men and one woman involved. I'm going to get into some theories in a little bit, um, but I wanted to save these because one of our listeners actually gave their account of a rumor that they had heard. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Ira or Lyman, you are asked to call the Howell County Sheriff's Office at 417-256-2544. I feel like West Plains has a serious drug and crime problem. 
I don't want to talk bad about any law enforcement officers because I don't know their side of the story, but it seems like the public is very dissatisfied with how the investigations are handled. Several of the missing people I was reading about were the kind of people who we often hear about in true crime stories. Victims that won't be missed. That is not the case for several of these individuals I've told you about, though. Some really don't seem to have anyone advocating on their behalf, but others do. I haven't seen any families as active in the search as Ira Briscoe's family, which is really sad. Everyone should have that much love and support, no matter who they are or what choices they've made in life. I think it's a little cringy that we are so close to West Plains and Hell County in general, but we have no idea about these people who have just up and vanished. I think for all of our local listeners, it'll be easy to to understand how. We live in a rural area. If you are going to dispose of a body, this is the place to do it. Drugs are also an ever-increasing issue in our area. I feel like it's so common to know someone or know of someone who does or has done meth, even if you don't run with those crowds. I don't even drink, but I can still think of so many known users just in Ava. Meth was a common denominator for a lot of these stories, and the cartel was brought up in several of the theories. I've heard of the cartel being in our area for years, and I've even seen drug busts on Facebook pretty often from people who aren't from here. I just don't think I will ever get over the fact that so many people have nobody advocating publicly for them. I wonder if it's because the family knows of their choices, or maybe they just think eventually they'll show back up. This could be a pattern. One thing I know for sure is that all of the families deserve to know that their loved ones are safe or where their remains can be located. We've received a lot of emails about this case, so I'm going to go ahead and read some of them now. We did keep everyone anonymous, but the first email said, quote, Regarding the missing people, look for connections to the drug circles and the cartel moving in this area in the past couple of years. This next email is the one that I told you had their own account on the theory that had happened to Ira that I wanted to read you. I was told he was sleeping with someone's old lady in Kosh, and they found out, and the people found Ira and ran him over with their vehicle. That didn't kill him, so they took him to a local cave where he passed away and later was dismembered and burned in a local field fire. I was not told which field, but it's a plausible story because the people who were supposedly involved were said to have fought about going to the police, and the next night there was a double shooting where a person died in Kosh. I wish someone would come forward. I loved him so much, and it's an awful thing to know everyone supposedly involved and for this to be happening in such a small country place. Thank you for taking the time to respond. Hopefully, the remaining person involved grows a conscience and comes forward. End quote. So, this kind of goes back to what I had mentioned earlier, that the family and police speculate that the shootings could have been involved And everyone seems to think that there is one woman who really knows what happened. You can go over to our Facebook page. Let us know what you think about this week's episode. Also, let us know if you have any theories or information regarding the people that we've talked about today. We love reading the discussions that y'all have about it on our comments. Have a good weekend and we'll see you next week.